Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Lord, I pray you speak this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us so many tools to worship you, Lord. Worship you with our hearts and with our words and with our instruments, Lord. I pray that uh, this is just a house of worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today we're actually wrapping up a series called Surrounded. Uh, This is based on a question that I asked you, what are we surrounded by in the world today? Uh, The first week we went over, we are surrounded by a world of uncertainty. These are based on your answers. And we talked about how sometimes God calls us into seasons of uncertainty. And then the next week, your number one answer, uh, we're surrounded by a world of greed. And how do we live our lives when we're surrounded by greed? And then last week, uh, one of your your top answers, we are surrounded by a world of sin and evil. Uh, And last week, uh, it it was really good. If you missed last week, go back on Facebook and watch that. Because what we looked at was how uh, when other people could only see the sinner, Jesus could see the brokenness. And when they saw the sinner, Jesus could see his purpose was there to seek and to save the lost. And when other people saw the sinner, uh, Jesus saw their purpose. We saw that uh, specifically Uh, with Paul. So today we're staying in this series, but we're actually going to approach it from a different angle. Rather than your answer of what what are we surrounded by in the world today, we're going to look at the Bible and what does the Bible say that we are surrounded by in the world today. Uh, One of the things that that I mentioned was uh, Jesus had this incredible ability when other people saw the sinner, Jesus actually saw their purpose. Uh, We looked specifically at Paul and how God sent a believer named Ananias, not to speak judgment over him, but to speak calling and purpose over his life. And I appreciate uh, in this story that uh, when God tells Ananias to do this, there's actually hesitancy there. And he actually kind of responds with, this is the reason, God, that you're wrong. Uh, before he's obedient. And it kind of makes it more relatable because if you think about what's taking place, God essentially says to Ananias, I want you to go to that person that in your mind is the epitome of evil. I want you to go to that person who ridicules you for your faith and far worse than that. But rather than telling him uh, where you think he's going, I want you to tell him what God has in store for him. I want you to pray over him. And you know what happens uh, if God sends you to do that? Is you come face to face with the reality of your pride. Uh, We might think we have no pride, but when God tells you, hey, go to your worst enemy, and no matter what they think, just pray over them and speak uh, calling and purpose over them, you have to swallow a whole lot of pride that you probably didn't even know uh, you had. But I want you to see something here. Ananias' obedience was far bigger than himself. Just from what's recorded in Scripture, Paul would take the gospel to at least 50 cities and probably far more. Paul literally changed the world, which tells us that that small act of obedience on Ananias' part changed the world. Sometimes God speaks to you. It's why we have to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of your obedience is bigger than yourself. We have to remember that sometimes. Uh, I mentioned Paul went on to change the course of history. The reason for this 
is because after Paul encountered Jesus, it was all about the gospel for Paul. Paul encountered God in such a way, uh, he was touched, he was changed in such a way that all he cared about from that point forward was spreading the gospel. Now Paul believed that the gospel, he says, was the power unto salvation, and he valued it as such. Paul valued the gospel and spreading the gospel more than his own comfort, uh, more than his own life, in fact. Now, Paul believed that he had been given a race to run in life. Uh, for Paul, that race that he had to run was to get the gospel to as many people as possible, as effectively as possible, while keeping his own faith along the way. And that's an important part of it. Uh, I say that because uh, Paul knew that the race that he had been given to run would not be an easy race. Uh, in Acts chapter 20, I want to show you this, verse 22. It's talking about Paul here. It says, Now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. If you want to keep that on the screen for just a minute, uh, that's the perfect verse for God sending us into a season of uncertainty. We're surrounded by uncertainty. Uh, Paul said, I'm being compelled by the Spirit to go somewhere where I have no idea what's about to happen to me. So should have used that about four weeks ago. But God calls us into seasons of uncertainty, uh, just like he did with the Israelites, with Joshua and Moses. Uh, Paul in the next verse says, I only know this, that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, somebody say however. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Can I ask you this? What does the grace of God mean to you? Uh, more specifically, I want to ask you, what does the grace of God, what do you believe the grace of God means for you? Uh, now, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says uh, that we have been forgiven according to the riches of His grace. And that is a powerful statement. You have been forgiven according to the riches of God's grace. Unfortunately, for many of us in the church, that's where the grace train stops. We stop at forgiveness. When it comes to things like God's favor or God's desire to use us, God's desire that we would be blessed... Uh, because we know our past and we know what we've done and what, what we've done to God and to others. We say, I will accept God's forgiveness by His grace. Eternally I am saved. But beyond that, it's hard for us to believe for more for us. And what was so powerful about Paul's encounter is Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus and Paul discovered, after everything I have done, God forgives me. But also, after everything I have done, God loves me, and God likes me, and He wants me, and He has chosen me. And the Bible says He has called me by His grace. And that's what's so powerful in Paul's life, is when he encountered the grace of God, it wasn't only the forgiveness of God, but he recognized God had so much laid out for him by His grace. And when Paul uh, discovered this grace... His life went from being all about me to not at all about me. 
Some of us need to have that recognition that it, it needs to go from all about me to not at all about me. Paul said then, my only aim, my only aim is to finish the race. Can you look at somebody and say, finish the race? Okay, you guys are really enthusiastic. <laughs> say, finish the race. When it came to running the race that Paul had to run, uh, Paul had two objectives. This was the first objective. Objective number one, make sure to finish the race. Make sure that you are setting yourself up to finish the race. Focus on uh, longevity. If you remember in uh, Luke 14, uh, when Jesus said, uh, suppose if one of you wants to build a tower, uh, you better make sure that you have enough supplies to get through to the end, or people will, will look at you and say that you began something you weren't able to finish. Now, what's the context of that? Jesus is just talking, about, just talking about following him. He's just talking about being his disciple, and he says, count the cost up front. Make sure that you can get all the way to the end. It's about finishing the race. And I, I've seen too many people, uh, too many people that come to Christ uh, and there's this uh, emotional excitement. But instead of digging roots or, or laying a foundation, they depend on that emotional excitement to carry them through in their relationship with God. And what happens is uh, instead of focusing on prayer or the Word of God or feeding their spirits, they're just hoping that, that their emotions carry them through. And the first storm that comes along the way, the first thing to leave is their faith. I've seen it too many times. I don't know if you've seen that before. Uh, what's amazing is Jesus said that exact thing would happen. Uh, Jesus gave the parable of the farmer and the seed, and he said some of that seed will fall upon the rocks. And when, uh, when it falls upon the rocks, uh, it will spring up quickly, but when the sun comes up, it scorches the plant and, and it withers away. Uh, in Matthew 13, 20, he gives the interpretation or, uh, of that parable. He says the seed that falls on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, I don't know if that's your scenario, if your, uh, your faith in Christ is new, or maybe uh, you've just have had a fresh recommitment to Christ. But can I tell you, if that is you, that's uh, praise God. First of all, that is exciting. Now begin laying a foundation. Begin laying a foundation in the Word of God and in prayer. So when the storm comes, you're not swept away. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I can make you a promise this morning that the race that God has given you to run in this life will at times feel like an obstacle course. Uh, there are times that it's just going to feel like one thing after another is getting thrown into your path, which is why Paul said, focus first on finishing the race. Objective number one, just make sure that you can finish the race. And then he got to objective number two. When you first set yourself up to finish the race, then run it as if there's only one person who can win it. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, he said, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the uh, prize. Now, what does that exactly mean? Uh, well, we can see exactly what it meant in Paul's life if we just back up a couple of verses. 
Paul wrote, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I am not under the law, so as to win those who are under the law. To those uh, not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Uh, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all people, so that by all means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that all the runners run in a race, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. So Paul says the first thing you do is you make sure that you are setting yourself up to get to the end of the race. Uh, Keith isn't here with us today, but he is the, uh, the cross-country coach at the high school. Uh, and I talked to him on the phone this week, and uh, he told me uh, occasionally uh, he will have runners on his team who for short distances are better than everyone else but can never finish the race. And it's not a lot of benefit to the team as a whole if they can only sprint for 100 feet, which is about what I can do, but cannot finish the race. Paul said, make sure you can finish the race and then run it. Run it as though only one person can win. Now, what does that look like for you? Lead your friends to Christ and let no one witness to them more than you do. Share the gospel with your coworkers. Let no one work at it more relentlessly than you do. Look at it as though only one person can win that race, and that's going to be you. No one will serve them more. No one will pray for them more. No one will love them better than you do. No one will point them to Christ more blatantly than you do. We, we get this idea in our heads in the church that uh, I can just love them without ever mentioning the name of Jesus, and one day they'll just turn to Jesus because it protects us from any sort of ridicule. No, sometimes we need to be a little more blatant about our faith. I didn't get any amens for that. That's okay. <laughs> now, what does this have to do with a sermon series called Surrounded? Because the book of Hebrews tells us that when we are running a race, it's helpful to remember that you are surrounded. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Since we are surrounded... By such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the sin that so uh, easily entangles. Let us uh, throw off everything that hinders. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Do you want to know what we are surrounded by in the world today? We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And Paul says, or, or the writer of Hebrews says, because that is your reality, because whether you recognize it or not, you are surrounded by witnesses, run your race. Throw off everything that slows you down. What slows you down in your race? Is, is, it, is it guilt? Is it shame? Is it anxiety? Is it worry? Is it sin? Paul says, throw it aside and run your race so that you can be the only winner of the race. Now, when I was growing up, uh, I always, uh, I read that verse that we're surrounded by witnesses, and my interpretation of that is, everybody's watching you, so don't mess up. 
Everybody's going to witness it if you fall. So you better run your race and, and you better run it well. Uh, but I think it actually means uh, something different that I want to show you. But before I do, uh, I want to ask you a question. Uh, what is a martyr? Um, what, is, what is a martyr? And the, question, the answer is, a martyr is someone who has proven the strength and genuineness of their faith in Christ, even to the point of death. This is important. A martyr is someone who has proven the strength and genuineness of their faith in Christ, even to the point of death. Now, why, why is this important? Do you know the word used in Hebrews chapter 12 where it says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses? Greg, you can put that on the screen for me. It's the word that's translated martyr. So the actual uh, verbatim translation would be we are surrounded by a great cloud of martyrs. Uh, in other words, what it is saying is we are surrounded by those who have gone before us and they have proven the strength and the genuineness of their faith all the way to the point of death. And what spurs us on in our race is recognizing the countless people who have done it before us, the, the, the millions who have gone before us and have finished the race and finished the race well. Now we can run our race knowing that any persecution we face is very light compared to the, the, the countless who have given their lives for the faith and, and uh, even some across the world uh, where that is happening uh, today. And we can also run our race in their honor. You know, we, we, we can carry that torch knowing that we have a freedom to do so here that a lot of people don't enjoy. A lot of people don't have. It's just been on my heart this week what's taking place in, in Afghanistan and the cost of sharing the gospel in a place like that. Yet for so many people in a nation where their, their life is on the line to share the gospel, they finish the race well. And then we come to America and because the idea of sharing the gospel might mean that we're rejected by a friend, we don't run our race well. Each person in here has been given a race to run. Paul says, set yourself up to finish that race, dig deep foundations, but then run it like there can only be one winner. The imagery that Paul, uh, the, the, the writer of Hebrews, uh, is trying to paint is not that you are being watched, but that you are being spurred on, that you are being encouraged by the many who have gone before you. And, and I was just thinking this week that that is one of the, the most powerful things about the local church, is that each person in this room uh, has a calling and each person in this room is sitting next to someone in a calling, uh, with a calling, and we should be spurring one another on and encouraging one another, saying, run your race. If you fall, if the obstacle gets in your way, 
get up and run the race with no guilt, with no shame, just throwing everything aside and saying, I have been given a race to run. Mary, you've been given a race to run. Run it well. That's one of the purposes of the church. Ken, you've been given a, a race to run. Run it well. That's one of the purposes of the church is to come together and to encourage one another and to push one another in the race that you have to run. Uh, when I sent out that text and I said, uh, what are we surrounded by in the world today? Uh, there were uh, more than 35 different answers and I think 32 of them were negative answers. Um, that we are surrounded by sin and evil and division and deception and hatred and conflict. And, and, and it's, it's not because we're a pessimistic church. It's because it's the reality of the culture that we live in. But, you know, we can take uh, pretty much every answer and we can sum it up with one word, that we are surrounded by need. We are surrounded by a culture who needs peace, who needs comfort, who needs hope, and to sum it all up, needs Jesus. Every answer can be put in this one phrase. We are surrounded by a world that needs Jesus. We are surrounded by a world of need. Do you know what that means for the church? We are surrounded by opportunity. You are surrounded by opportunity. As I was walking downstairs this morning, Renee, you can come. Um, I just felt the Holy Spirit speak something into my heart and, and I, I put it in my phone before I would forget. And I felt like he said, whenever it feels not, like God is not in it, that's why you're in it. And whenever it feels like God is not there, that's why he's put you there. It doesn't always mean to run away from it. Sometimes it means bring God into it. And yet we are surrounded by a messed up world. And it seems to be getting a little more messed up each and every day. Sometimes it looks like God is not in it. Do you know what? That's why you're in it. When Jesus uh, gave that word to the disciples, he said, you are the light of the world. You are here to bring light. And a lot of you in this place are returning uh, to school this week and probably didn't want me to bring that up. And you are a light in those hallways. When you go to those schools, You've been given a race to run. You can run it well. You can run it better than anyone else there. And when it feels like God is not in the school, that's why he put you in the school. And when it feels like God is not in the workplace, that's why God put you in the workplace. Can you guys stand with me? Pray with me this morning, God. 
God, I pray that we would begin to see the world just through a different lens. That when we are surrounded by need, we're surrounded by opportunity, God. And I pray that we would begin to recognize just all the places that you have put us there for a purpose. that we would be your hands and we would be your feet. We would be vessels, God, not of judgment, of, but, but of love. And that we would begin to speak calling over people and, and mission, Lord. And we would encourage one another, Lord, as we run our race. As Renee leads this church, just close your eyes and, and ask the Spirit to search you. Holy Spirit, would you search our hearts and would you reveal to us, God? Would you reveal to us the places that you have put us there for such a time as this? part of the outreach uh, this week. Uh, you can see Mayor Teresa. Uh, if you want to be a part of the uh, ramp build, uh, see Andy. Uh, if you want to be a part of the men of Cranberry Community Church calendar, see Rob. I'm just kidding. That doesn't exist. <laughs> Father, I pray you go with us this week uh, that you would make us lights, God. You would use us, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.